Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot turn back. Yeah, welcome in to another rousing rendition of Libservative Intellectual Idiots Fostering Political and Cultural Literacy for Bell, the Body Snatcher on the ones and twos. He, as always, is Corey Walsh. He's Dan Griffin. And I don't know why I labeled this episode... Uh, like making fun of of old people probably because our um uh our government is full of old people and i didn't really have anything better to say so it's uh, a good mug, rhyme mug shots yeah. and liver spots here we go uh an american tale it is oh god the the worst the worst the worst of all american tales uh we're actually gonna surprise some folks here within the well, first couple minutes actually, of the show i got a surprise for you dan hold on hold on let me set it up and then you can you can tell all the people where they can find us <laughs> okay. I know where you were going. I know where you were going. No, that gonna, actually wasn't it. Oh God, you ruined it. We're gonna we're gonna say good things about Joe Biden today. I was gonna share a lizard with a tail. <laughs> Did you see this one? I'm throwing this one at you. Senator here for election three short years. Mitch McConnell. Yeah. He's in election for three short years. That's okay. What are your thoughts on election? What am I talking about? What running for re-election in twenty twenty six? Absolutely. Freezes, dude. That's twice now. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry, you all. We're gonna need a minute. Okay, so like it's not an anomaly anymore. It wasn't just nope. Mitch having a bad day. Nope. He looks bad. Okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. Uh, what efforts is the AOB going to have to make on the campaign trail so like Kentuckians over and over? Senator Daniel Cameron, do uh, you have a comment on Daniel Cameron? Well, I think his administration is very close. Um, oh, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. I thought. I, I, okay. All right. We get the so, point. So I, here's the thing. I, I thought it was be a I little wanted... bit funnier when I shared it. It's but not. It's so fucking sad. So bad. I I want to feel bad for for people like that and for people like you know Diane Feinstein. But then I go, no, no. This is this is where I get so pissed off when boomers want to sit there and say that we're entitled as millennials or you know Gen Z is entitled when they want to sit here and just clasp onto power like they're a fucking you know. Uh, uh, opera singers pearls yeah well we're entitled 
they can't let go and let other people and let younger generations take us into the next place after they, you know, fucked us over and turned us into consumers and nothing but consumers that don't care about anything of substance. And this cognitive decline is brought to you by Libserta Podcast and it is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservshow.com. We can save conservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram and Twitter, Libservative Pod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. I don't even want to do this show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that and I was like, "Holy fuck!" Again? Where did you just did you just find that like recently? Because I cannot believe I didn't see that. Yeah, I found it earlier today. And uh, reading our title of our episode today, "Mug Shots and Liver Spots," I thought it was very fitting. Uh, what were you gonna say, Dan? I don't even remember now because you've completely taken the wind out of my sails as a human being. By showing me Mitch McConnell not knowing where he is again. And it's, well, I mean, you did the same thing last week with Biden's Hawaii speech. But at least Biden. OK, I can't even believe I'm about to do this. This is like defending the smaller piece of shit. Right. So <laughs> at least Biden can can he can speak like noises keep coming out of his mouth. The guttural he, sounds. He at least answers questions. He might answer a question that wasn't asked, but he will at least will, you'll get a response when you speak to Joe Biden. This is twice now where Mitch McConnell's just sat there frozen. It's yeah, it's painstaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, when I said it again, like for the show, I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is pretty bad. Oh my God. I thought we were going to get a laugh out of it. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's a real human being. This is, uh, yeah, well, it's, that's not really a human being, but you know, that's a, close. Oh, that's why I shared that because you talked about tails, an American tail. And I said, speaking of lizards with tails, <laughs> lizards without tails. Yeah, he's more like a frog. Well, he's a turtle. Right. Mitch Is McConnell's turtles a turtle. Do? Well, he just looks like a turtle. I don't know. Uh, Corey, <laughs> do you, before we get into matters of substance, do you, do you think that the, that, uh, we're we're actually going to be going back to mask mandates again. Like is 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 oh, is, so this is the tinfoil hat thing that they, no, they I don't know. How you're, but how tinfoil hat is it really? Right, because the first so, person to talk about this, I'll set it up. The first person to talk about this that we noticed was Alex Jones. No, it was because about TSA friend uh, told him allegedly, and uh, you know we talked. We had a, a cup of coffee together and uh, jerked each other off in the bathroom. Uh, he was wearing a mask the whole time. Alex Jones. I always get concerned when Alex Jones makes these sweeping makes these sweeping predictions because he does get stuff right. The thing is, he throws a hundred things at the wall and like ten of them stick. So he's got like a, he's at like a ten percent clip most of the time. But this is That's one pretty where I'm uh, like, pretty um, gratuitous. You think that's generous? You think generous. he only gets ten percent right? Nah, he gets way less than a shitty tip at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> whatever he he gets things right occasionally before anybody else does he's got a better track record than cnn that's for sure so i mean we have we have alex jones uh, allegedly talking to a a, a a tsa friend uh my, my friend i mean uh really really good friend uh and he is saying that by december we're all going to be masking on planes again 
Yeah. Uh, and and I think and then I've seen people run with it, and now people are saying that there's going to be lockdowns again. Yeah. So here's my theory, and then I'll I'll let you give yours. I this is like the like one of the few times where I'm not going to be a complete fucking nihilist here. <laughs> I actually have faith in the American people to realize that they're gonna they they're they're gonna have a say in it this time. Where you're not going to have to put up with, you know, lockdowns and being forced to wear a mask. Like if a business wants to force you to wear a mask, I mean, whatever, fine. You don't have to patronize that patron, patron, patron that business. But for the government to be pressing mask mandates again and to be pressing lockdowns again, I, I, I just I have a little bit more faith in the American people to be to to recognize how unbelievably tyrannical that was the first time and not let it happen again. I hope so. Good talk. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I think after all the dust has settled from that, a lot of people, even if they don't want to admit it, they look back and go, whoa, that was a fucking wild time, huh? Yeah, well, that can't be the only reaction. It has to be we're, you know, I won't fly, dude. I won't fly if it if it comes if even if it's just the airlines. I won't fly. Fuck it. Not I'll take a, I'll take a shorter vacation somewhere else. You know, somewhere I can drive to. Like I don't need to get on an airplane. But then you got a honeymoon coming up. Yeah, and we had already planned to use the wheels. Oh, did you? Yeah. So nice. Where are you guys going? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you want to follow into your good buddy old pal Corey's footsteps. You just take your car and go up and cross over the uh, Mackinac Bridge and camp a bunch and do hotels all through the west coast of the state. Go over the bridge, tour all the UP, come down the Wisconsin side and take the old SS Beaver. We actually thought about running a camper van. Done. So we can take oh, the dogs. Nice. SS Beaver is done for the year. No, it's not. Yes, it is. That's a lie. That's a goddamn lie. It's going under maintenance right now. Then, well, there's another ship they have. There's two of them. It's in a the... different city. Nope. This is not the show. Not the show. Not the place, guys. Not the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I took that ship across the river. It's a, the end of September. It's a lake. Lake. River. Whatever. So according to you, Corey. Take the ferry across Lake Michigan. Biden do good? Why is there no question mark at the end of that? Oh, good. I don't know if it is a question. I think it's a declarative statement, Dan. Biden do good? Yeah, he did good. <laughs> well, his administration did. But we got two things on the docket right now that I have to give Biden some praise for. Let's start with labor. Uh, so last Friday, the National Labor Relations Board released its most important ruling in many decades in a party line decision in the, is it Semex? Is that how you, Chemex? Uh, construction material specific LLC, the board ruled that when a majority of a company's employees file union affiliation, the board, uh, I'm sorry, file union affiliation cards, the employer can either voluntarily recognize their union or if not, ask the board to run a union recognition election. If in the run up to or during that election, the employer commits an unfair labor practice, such as illegally firing pro union workers, which has become routine in nearly every such election over the past 40 years. As the, penalty, <laughs> Amazon. As the penalties have been negligible. Oh, Starbucks. 
the board will order the employer to recognize the union and enter forthwith into bargaining. The Semex decision, I think it's called, I don't know how to pronounce it. The Semex decision was preceded by another one day earlier in which the board also, along party lines, set out rules for representation for representation elections, which required them to be held promptly after the board had been asked to conduct them, curtailing employers' ability to delay them often indefinitely is how these elections uh, are delayed. I guess my question is like, what's the penalty, right? Like what's the penalty now if oh, an employer so, goes and fires somebody? So for- the premise, the premise of this is like, so, you know, there's a whole process. Like if you want to start a union in your place, you kind of walk around secretly asking everyone like, Hey, do you want to be in a union? And everyone's like, yeah. And so then they get a union rep and then they pass out union cards that people sign. And if the majority of the people want to be in a union, and they want to be recognized based on how many people sign their cards. Then they go through the whole voting process. They go through the whole contract wage, uh, like, uh, conversation to where they figure out what exactly the contract is going to be and stuff. But that litigation takes months, if not years. So places like Starbucks and these small company and these small little franchises who have high turnover rates or even Amazon and places like that, when after everyone signed their union cards and like, all right, we're going to get a union going and they try to start working on union contracts and voting and everyone doing their official vote to be a part of a union. These companies would typically come in and start firing people who were trying to get like the biggest mouthpieces who are trying to get things going, trying to fire people who might be the organizers and things like that. So now what this is doing is if that happens in a place and then there's proof that the company is actively trying to dismantle it, break it up and do anything like that, then instead of them having to fight through that and vote, if the company is that the penalty is, is that the company actively tries to stop it, then the cards count as the vote. So then there's no official voting process. It's just up. Oh, you guys, you know, everyone signed these cards and they want to be in a union. You guys are a union now. So it's, it's good from the sense that, it's a lot harder for corporations, not even necessarily corporations, but any company at all to quickly just kind of swiftly go through and get rid of any employees that are, that there are uh, musings or buzzings of them possibly starting a union. The, the problem that we still have, so that's good. So right, so like you can't get fired essentially for unionizing. Yeah. This which, just which, protects which, workers. Which was already illegal, but as we know, the corporations would just take whatever the penalties were because they were nominal and they would just go ahead and fire. This makes the penalty away from a monetary value to where companies would bite the bullet in the short term Mm -hmm. and makes it to where it's way more like effective to where like if they try to actively do it. No, I mean, companies can like talk to their employees and go, hey, guys, wait, hold on. You know, but if they're like doing stuff that looks like they're proactively trying to break up this whole union process. The was that National Labor and Relations Board? What's it called? Uh, the National Labor, yeah, National Relations Relations Board. Say, I, like, got that right. I usually <laughs> get that shit wrong, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so I mean, this is a huge win for the working people, class people. You are not an acronym guy, are you? No, uh, not a word guy. I don't know why I do podcasts. <laughs> 
the thing that's missing it well you know rfk jr can't speak but he's the he's podcast for president uh, it's the american dream dan uh the, the only thing that's missing still is the fact that the the, the corporations or, or companies therein are not still forced to collectively bargain when there is a union organized Right, because like that's the issue that you're still having with Starbucks and Amazon, at least from what I understand. Somebody who knows more about this can correct me if I'm wrong. But essentially, what these corporations are doing is they're just delaying any sort of collective bargaining contract between the union and the company itself. So, like, yeah, they're unionized, but there there's no there's no incentive for these companies to come to the table to negotiate things like wages and time off and things like that basically all these unions are doing and this is no small thing don't get me wrong but all these all these all these unions are essentially doing is allowing these people to keep their jobs after no, you're right you're absolutely right there's a lot of work to still be done this is just a foot like in the right a step in the right direction this is the first time that you've seen Biden who claims to be the most pro union president actually do something proactively to show that he's pro-union we Can saw I give what you happened a- with the rail unions and how he fucked that one um you saw how he promised in his campaign that he would not allow the government to do any contracts with a company who is anti-union yet they are still working with amazon who's proactively trying to break up unions you've seen him skirt all of his responsibilities that he claimed he was going to take on and you've seen him really fuck unions over and like even when he walked back his statement when he said uh amazon were coming for you when christian smalls was doing his union there and then later he walked it back goes well that's not really what i meant well i mean his his stooges did his administration walked it back and it's just it's to me it's just this is a very very positive thing for workers this is really like especially in a state like ours We've seen this huge, huge like shift of being a right to work state to being able to be a collective bargaining state, and then things like this happen. The state of Michigan, yeah, for any in the new state listeners. of Michigan. Uh, can I give you my uh, my cynical take for just a second here? Oh yeah, go ahead. So Biden do good, right? At least his his, his administration threw workers a bone. I guess I would say here. Uh, in probably the biggest bone that his administration has offered to workers thus far. Uh, it's a really, it's, it's, it's a big thing for workers and their ability to unionize. It's a really small thing when you talk about Joe Biden being the most quote unquote pro union president. Yeah, and, but and, I'm not going to let, I, no, but here's what, I, here's what I was going to say. I, he's not doing this in good faith. Joe Biden and his administration realize that the UAW is about to go on strike right here locally in Detroit, uh, representing all of the big three uh, motor companies. He realizes that he doesn't have any union support, or at least his administration does, his handlers do. I don't know that Joe Biden even knows where the closest bathroom is in the White House, but I, I don't. Floor, Dan. I just don't see this as a, yeah. Well, or his pants. I just don't see this as a good. I just don't see this as a as a as a good faith move. This is a give me votes move. Um, look, and that doesn't make Joe Biden any different from any other president that we've ever seen. They do things to get votes, and that's one of the biggest problems with our system. But still, 
I just see this and I go, you threw them the smallest bone you could, you threw workers the smallest bone you could throw them while with it still being kind of a big deal. Yeah. First thing I'm going to say is Biden was walking around the White House and he's like, what? The sign said bathroom closed, use floor below. And I did. And now everyone's pissed off. <laughs> 67 Corvette. <laughs> no, and no, and it's like, I, I don't like Biden. Okay. He's a part of the same establishment, like fucking conglomerate that fucked our country and put us in the situation we're in. Absolutely. But I'm not going to let my jaded views of Biden kind of diminish the idea that like this is honestly like a really big deal. Like this is a really, really, really big deal because a lot of times when people are afraid to even take that step and get the cards and everything going is the retaliation from the worker. And this kneecaps that. Like this is a huge win for the working class. Biden can shit his pants all he wants. I guess it's like, so yeah, it makes it easier for people to unionize and makes it a lot harder for companies to fire people for unionizing. But the problem is those, the new unions, I mean, it's a step. I'm not trying to diminish that. It's a, it's a step in the right direction, but it's, and I get it. Well, you're saying doesn't give the, it, it doesn't give any new unions any more power than they've ever had before. So it's not like, if they're already unionized. No, you're right. Exactly. So what's so what's the incentive? There, there's still just such little incentive to unionize if you're not already unionized. Other than being able to say, oh, my God, I'm in a union now. You know, you know what the incentive to be unionized is right now? Is the Teamsters fucking making a great ass contract for their workers showing that. When the union tells the government just to stay out of the way, <laughs> they can do great. But once they're a big union and there's a, a huge massive collective bargaining going on, um, that's a whole different scenario than people even trying to get their foot in the door to get to that point of what the Teamsters can do. The Teamsters could do what they did because they were already established. But now this opens the door for other people to get like a foothold in the whole union sphere to get to that point where the teamsters are now there's a huge gap right there that still needs to be filled and taken care of of being able to protect unions and the collective bargaining when they get there and that's where biden falls short ridiculously sure 100 percent, i will give you that you saw how he fucked over norfolk's up like the uh the rail workers union but this here is it's probably one of the best things i've seen this uh administration do when it comes to taking care of the middle class. Now we're going to get into in a minute for the Medicare issues with the negotiating of prices and stuff like that. And again, that's something that helps people that are already dependent on the government. But this is something that helps people who aren't dependent on the government, the working class, the people that I attribute, you know, and relate with the most. And so I think this is a really, really big win. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I saw this and I was like, fuck yeah. Somebody, it's probably the somebody, first time in a year that I've said, good on you, Biden. That's a good one. Somebody sat down and went, somebody in the Biden administration sat down and went, oh my God, Oliver Anthony's going on Joe Rogan. We, we got to make Corey happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, this is a good one, man. I don't see very many negative things coming from this. Like there's still like, like you mentioned, like the, the, the step after 
and all the shortcomings in that. And absolutely, I agree with you 100%. But I think that this win right here is a huge, huge win for the working class. Okay. That's all I got to say about that. Did I convince you? 67 Corvette. I didn't, I didn't, why does his voice sound slower and more slurred every single time you play that for me? Uh, I, you didn't, I don't think you really needed to convince me. Um, I think it's good. I think it's a Biden do good. It's it's yeah, I guess <laughs> it's uh, it's more. It's protectionist for the workers. Um, I'm just as surprised as you are, Dan. And it's so hard to actually give the guy credit after we've been shitting on him for the last year. <laughs> Well, I mean, and then it, that all depends on how you feel about unionization in the first place. It's not very libertarian of you, Corey. I think that the more power unions get, the less government you need. So, yeah, there that's just there's your, basically just that's just because when the unions get big enough, they just become the bureaucracy themselves. Uh, well, <laughs> they can get to a point where they're shitty as well. I mean, like, for example, I could think of two unions that are absolute trash right off the top of my head, and that's the teachers union and the police unions. Those are absolutely garbage. They just protect shitty teachers. And well, shitty you know, you know why that is, don't you, Corey? Cause they're, because they're, they're government workers. Well, and well, well, that's, that's actually sort of what I was going to say, but just in a less, in a less elegant way, what I was going to say is that one of those unions has a monopoly on violence and the other one has a monopoly on propagandizing your kids. So there <laughs> <you go. laughs> Get your kid into Montessori school. It was funny because, you know, my teacher or my wife, you know, she's a Montessori school teacher and me and her were going over a New Yorker article recently. And uh, it was talking like it was talking about like the pitfalls of Montessori school, but it wasn't shitting on like the Montessori teachings itself. It was shitting on the fact that like we took this great way of teaching and we took this shitty assembly line teaching. I think the guy's name was Ellison. And when our government was trying to create like a program for our department of education, it was kind of being a competition between the two of they them. Went with the, they, they went with the Prussian, the Prussian school. Yeah. It was like Ellis, something Ellison. And, uh, but the Montessori teaching is just more like focused on the individual, not like the collective kind of thing. And, uh, the teaching like Montessori schooling, even though it's like great and wonderful for like for so many people, because that's not a cookie cutter thing. It unfortunately has become a, a cult. It no, it's not a cult. <laughs> it's become a white, it's become a white affluent schooling. It's a cult. It's become unaffordable for like a lot of people. Like Jeff Bezos went there. Like uh a lot of like like when you look at the schools themselves, like it, cause it's a private school, it costs a little bit more money and stuff like that. So like the poorest kids and stuff like that can't afford it unless there's scholarships and stuff. And it's unfortunate actually, because like the alternative with Montessori schooling versus public schooling, it's like night and day, you know? And like, it's like the ratios are way better. Like classrooms are like 12 with like two teachers and all of that kind of stuff, which is great, but it's a lot more expensive and it sucks that it's a lot more expensive. And it's a cult. Montessori? You think Montessori is a cult? This isn't. <laughs> no, this isn't. Uh, oh, fuck. What's that school? There's two other schools. Um, The art one. What's the art one? The, I don't you, you don't know. know. You're, you don't know any about anything about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Except for that it's a cult. You think Montessori school is a cult? <laughs> I 
it just seems like it. The way people talk about it. The way because it's fucking about, phenomenal. Uh, well, that's what cults say. Yeah, <laughs> you say that. You're right. But the proof is in the pudding. Most of our people who are very successful in our country are Montessori students. Did you just give Jeff Bezos a credit for going to Montessori school after you just shit on Amazon 25 seconds ago? The guy is a billionaire and he went to Montessori school. Correlation isn't causation. Talking out of both sides of your ass, Corey Walsh. Look at me go. (laughs) Goddamn dirty centrist. (laughs) Each cheek's got something to say. Uh, Well, how else Biden do good, Corey? Um, So the other thing that Biden did good is one of the... uh, pieces that came off of the uh, inflation reduction act which was signed in signed a law by president by president biden and so what this does is it authorizes medicare to negotiate the prices of some high cost prescription drugs with pharmaceutical companies this is a major priority for the biden administration which aims to lower health care costs and improve access to innovative therapies the centers for medicare and medicaid services cms has announced the first 10 drugs covered under medicare part d selected for negotiation the negotiations with participating drug companies will occur in 2023 and 2024 and any negotiated prices will become effective beginning in 2026 the selected drugs accounted for 50 billion dollars 50 billion dollars in total part d gross covered by prescription drug costs or about 20% of total Part D gross covered prescription drugs cost between June 1st, 2022 and May 31st, 2023, which is the time period used to determine which drugs are eligible for negotiation. So basically, Medicare is 750... Big pharma. Yeah, Medicare costs us $750 billion a year, which is about 12% of the total annual, annual budget. And they are working to save you know, mostly old people and people on disabilities, a lot of money by negotiating these prices. Which is great. Biden do good. Biden do good. Biden did a good job. I know it's, it's, it pains me to say it, Dan. He did a good, he did a good job. Well, I'll I'll say about this one, about the prescription drug, drug thing. He did a good job considering the broken ass system that we have is with with regards to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's like a good job. I'm sorry. Like I have to play devil's advocate for why this by why I don't care about Biden do good. Uh, <laughs> I it, it, we know that big pharma price gouges regardless of what the prescription is whether it's whether it's a a Medicare Medicaid prescription or not. Um, and there are various governmental overreach reasons for why that's the case. So I, I got to say, you know, although this is Biden do good, making prescription drugs a little bit cheaper for the old and the sick, um, it is a small bandaid on a far bigger problem, which I'm sure you would agree with. Oh, absolutely. I still think, I think what you could do on top of this and is uh, stop all of these bullshit protectionist laws that the government imposes that make it to where you can't just buy prescription drugs from overseas because that's also one of the biggest problems because we have a monopoly in our country on the drug pharmaceutical companies who all just are in bed together. You know, they all get together like, and like now that's kind of hyperbolic when I say they all get together, like in a back smoky room, but right now, like in other countries, the same drugs that are sold here are like marked up at like a hundred percent, 200%, 300%. Where in other countries, they're like a fraction of the cost. 
And we have bullshit protectionist laws in our country for the same thing that goes for like baby formula or, um, well, the example that I just used pharmaceuticals and you can't buy them from overseas. So you can only buy them in house. And what they do is they jack the prices up. It's also to, 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 to even compound on that. It's also FDA regulatory possible, uh, regulatory bullshit, right? Because you can't just like, I, like you and I tomorrow can't just go out and start a drug company. Like we can't just go out and start and, and, and like, find some smart because we don't know what we're doing but like let's say we were rich enough to find some scientists that could make a new drug that would uh i don't know cure leukemia we can't just we can't just take that drug and put it on the market even 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 if we go through all of the uh all of the studies and we can show doctors openly and honestly hey look you take this pill you're going to kill you're going to cure cure your your leukemia inside of 6 months and a doctor should be able to see that and go, wow, this data looks really good. Let's give it a shot. If we, even if we did our own version of randomized controlled trials on that drug, we can't do it without going through the FDA first. So, True. so yeah, you have, you have prescription drug companies that are few and far between, and they lobby to keep it that way. So it's internal and external. You're looking at me yeah. like you don't know what the fuck I just said. No, I was, I was, I was actually, I was looking at the list of the ten drugs, but a lot of them, oh, god damn you, New York Times, and my lack of finances. To you pull get paywalled. Yeah, I got paywalled. Why the hell? Why the hell would you ever pay for that anyway? I wouldn't. I didn't pay, but I have it up. You mm -hmm. son of a bitch. He didn't pay. What did you do? Has it up. Bell the Body Snatcher is now a, a hacker. Of the New York Times as well, Mr. Hacker Man. <laughs> I can show you guys how. Um, if you subscribe, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want me to read them? Yeah, go ahead and read them. Okay, there's the first one is called Eloquist for strokes and blood clot, Jardians for diabetes and heart failure, Zeralto, which my dad actually takes for preventing strokes and blood clots, Genuvia for diabetes. Farshiga for diabetes, heart failure, and chronic kidney chronic kidney disease. Entresto for heart failure. Enbrel for arthritis and other autoimmune conditions. Imbruvica for blood cancers. Stellara for Crohn's disease. And Fiasp and Novolog insulin products for diabetes. Um, this is just a start. They said that there's additional medications selected for price negotiations pretty soon. Yeah, I think their total list of the ones they want to negotiate are like, there's like 60 of them, but the first 10 they're doing are tackling these ones. So it sounds like they're uh, focusing on like diabetes and uh, like strokes no. and Crohn's. They uh, selected these through a process to prioritize ones that are the most the expensive highest, ones, right? Yeah. Highest Medicare spending and they don't have any competition. This is going to save the, a lot of American people a lot of money. So here's what I heard in that list of drugs that Bell just listed off. It's a lot of drugs that are taken for ailments which are seemingly preventable with good preventative care. Depends on which one, type 1 or type 2. Sure, of course, yes. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just, you know, uh, you know, heart failure 
diabetes. These are all things that, of, of course, like some people, perfectly healthy people get these things, right? But for the most part, these are, th this is, this has always been my issue. What I'm saying is like, this has always been my issue with the American medical system is that we're really fucking good at like finding the drug to treat the ailment or, you know, doctors are really good at, uh, um, diagnosing and fixing a problem, but everybody fucking sucks at preventing these problems for needing these drugs in the first place. And you can't tell me that these drug companies don't want us sick for that reason right there alone. That's not, yeah, and that's, I don't even think that's that a tinfoil a, hat thing either. I don't, you know, you're probably right, but it's like, you know, it, it, it is still based in capitalism and these people are seeing things that they want to need or a want and they're filling that void. Um, you know, like when it comes to things that a lot of people, like people don't want to change their life, their lifestyle or anything like that. If they know that there's a drug that they can just take to prolong their lifestyle without having to have any adverse effects. So they take a drug instead of eating healthier foods, if that makes sense. Like someone who's out there eating packs of fun rounds <laughs> <laughs> and they have diabetes they don't want to give them up so they uh so they just take a drug to fix the problem instead of stopping and eating them and a free market capitalist society affords that to them but they're gonna have to pay an arm and a leg mm -hmm. and it comes to the point where they're being exploited though because of the monopoly and the pharmaceutical industry because like you said you and i can't just open our own pharmacy call it uh deals on wheels or something i don't know mm -hmm. but uh so these drugs are made for those types of people who don't want to give up what they want they just want to eat their cheeseburgers and drink their beer and not have to worry about any adverse effects so they take these drugs well that's now, one thing it's one thing if you make the decision but it's you it's it's the, it's the informed consent argument right like doctors and nutritionists should just be better at letting people know you know, yeah, we're just shitty at that. Like, look at the ad. Really diet. bad. We're like, so everything bad at preventative care. Because we try to, because our preventative care that we offer people is the same thing as we were talking about the educational industry. It's a cookie cutter thing to where it's just this blanket thing where they're like, nope, just get less carbs and exercise more. And that's not going to necessarily work for everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? They go eat less red meat. Some people can only eat red meat. <laughs> You know, and like it's different things like that. And it's uh, the healthcare industry has become a production facility where they just they bring you in, they check your stats, and then they kick you out. And the whole healthcare industry of preventative health is definitely like fucked in this country. It's so fucking fucked. But yeah. That's just basically where I was at with that. Like, yeah, like these medicines are given to people because, and especially with a lot of this, like Medicare and stuff, it's going to be older people. So they're, they're too far gone to the past, the point where they're now not going to change their ways. And now, yeah, now it's, <laughs> they're at that age where it's like, well, if you just eat an apple a day, it's like, doc, they <laughs> got about eight or nine more years, <laughs> 70 years of me eating greasy cheeseburgers. Where's my insulin? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, this is going to, because what this will do, this is going to save a lot of people a lot of money and it's going to even like trickle down and help us and stuff like that. Like, God forbid, like I'm probably, I'm probably right there at the point where I'm going to have diabetes one day anyways. So he bless you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I like it for that reason. Like if for, for no other reason than 
price then it, then it reduces price gouging but right the libertarian argument would be you know price just gouging. get rid of the just get rid of the protectionist get laws. rid of the get rid of the regulatory red tape and you know but you wouldn't have a need to enforce the to re, re, the reduction in price gouging yeah so you wouldn't you wouldn't, like you wouldn't Biden, yeah you wouldn't Biden need in both of these in, the, in both of these situations did or I'm not even going to say him because I don't think he knows where he is. But his his administration did a good job in the context of the system as it is today. That's fair. And you know, as you're saying that, it's like you wouldn't need to create more regulation to negotiate drug prices in the first place if the same government wasn't there at the beginning at the inception of the problem telling people they can't buy the drugs somewhere else. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and you have to wonder like if we did it if, if so they, they outsmarted themselves on this one, Dan. And if we did a better job with preventative care over the course of essentially since factory farming came along, if we did a better job with preventative care for all of that time, how many of these drugs wouldn't even need to exist in the first place because too few people would need them. Yeah. Well, the pharmaceutical industry doesn't want to hear that, Corey. They sure don't. Good day to you, fellow intellectual idiots. If you're this far into the show, we're guessing that you probably like it. So we'd just like to ask you to hit pause. And on whatever platform you're listening, just leave us a quick review. It really does help us grow and gives us an opportunity to bring you even more great content in the future. And we'd also like to ask you to just press that share button and just send this episode to one friend that you think might be interested in our line of conversation. The best way for podcasts to grow in the sea of millions of podcasts really is through word of mouth. So every little bit helps and we appreciate you all. So let's get back to the show. Shall we recap the uh, debate polling? Yeah, so the debates were one week ago. We talked about it on the show. I think we all became an unanimous deciding that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was the one that won the debate hands down, we thought. But the polls haven't really moved that much. I think it has. I think it just goes to show how little that fucking debate actually mattered. Like when Vivek was up there going, what did he say? He goes, he goes, oh, we're all, we're all just here to have a good time. And then. And, and Catherine Mangie Ward of Reason made a good point on uh, the Reason Roundtable this week going, well, no, some of us are here to, like, see who's the best option for the leader of the free world. We're not <laughs> yeah. just here to have a good time. But it's like you could you could see that, like, like the like Vivek is up on that. Vivek is up on that on, up on that stage. And I think he really might just be there to have a good time, because at the end of the day, uh, he, he doesn't. I think he, I think he thinks he would be the best presidential option up on that stage, you know, plus Donald Trump. But I think there's got to be a part of him that realizes he doesn't really have a chance. I know. That I think he's jockeying for a VP, dude. I know I've heard that a lot, but I've also heard people within his circles saying that, like, you know, no, he really, he really thinks he could, he could actually be a good president. Um. Every VP thinks the same thing. That's why they're jacking for the job. But, but like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I really think he might be jacking for that VP's that VP slot because of the fact that, like, when you remember on that stage, he attacked pretty unabashedly everyone except for DeSantis. And Donald Trump. And Donald Trump. The only two beating him in the poll. 
And I really think that him and DeSantis are both really hoping that Donald Trump gets arrested. Well, there might be a reason for that. As far like I understand why he's not attacking Donald Trump because he's basically running on the Donald Trump platform. Even even if you even if you don't think that he's jockeying for the vice presidential bid. But if you if you if you look, if you really go back and remember what happened during that debate, DeSantis was basically the only one on that stage who did not attack Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm -hmm. Because you got to remember, if you go back and rewatch that debate, they all came after him first. You know, yeah, they came after him hard. They saw him. And yeah. Yeah. The skinny guy with the weird name. Come give me a hug. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's just uh, yeah. Looking back, it's just interesting. I think that's what he's trying to do. He's he doesn't want to attack the two front runners because one of those two is going to get knocked out. And if you think about it, if Trump does join the debates, DeSantis and Trump, it's going to get nasty. Vivek is kind of just going to sit on the side and let the two squabble and let them a winner, and then he's going to be like, "Oh, remember me." Donald Trump will absolutely wipe the floor with Ron DeSantis. Yeah. He is, you saw during that debate, he has absolutely no ability to say anything that would even remotely concern Donald Trump on a debate stage. Yeah. Now, Vivek, on the other hand. But it's interesting because, like, if Vivek Ramaswamy overtakes DeSantis in the polling, and right now I'm looking on uh, Real Clear Politics, pretty much every poll since the since the debates has Vivek behind DeSantis by like two to six points. At least, yeah, three is the closest I see, and the fr- the the ten, uh, 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 YouGov has has it at ten. DeSantis at sixteen, Ramaswamy at six. And there are a couple of polls. I think there's a Trafalgar poll that uh, actually has Ramaswamy above DeSantis when Trump is taken out of the equation. That there's a couple be. of polls. There's a couple of polls when Trump is removed. It's like uh, Vivek beats DeSantis by a little bit, and then when he or, and when it's reversed and DeSantis wins in a couple of those polls when Trump is removed, it's like 32-26, 32-28. And what those two are honestly trying to do because they're not going to get the Trump votes. That's why those ones are attacking the smaller ones because they're just trying to get they're trying to shore up the rest of the votes. But I guess at the end of the day, we all wasted our time watching this debate when you when you take a look at polling ever yeah, since they had seven the debate like like trump's lost like six points but when you're ahead by 40 like what, what difference does that actually make um and you know nikki haley's up a couple points since 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 the debate because she did a decent job with the with the with the those, with are, the, those are the three with the abortion issue, but she also was like, you like realize that she's still Nikki Haley because like she spent half the debate talking about how war is good. So like she lost me at that point as always. Uh, and then those are the three though. You watch Berga, Maida, Christie. They're all going to drop off soon. Pence too, probably. I think Christie will I- drop off last because he's just so dead set on shitting on Trump. You might I think he'll right. stick around. I think he'll stick around for a while. It's not going to work. Yeah, I don't think he wants to be president as much as he wants to just shit on Trump. He needs to just have a cheeseburger and sit down. He's probably so happy about those diabetes drugs being lowered. (laughs) I don't think he's on Medicare, though, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably right. 
he made a lot of money off of that bridge scandal. Yeah, he did make money off that, didn't he? I think he did. I don't know. I don't really. Didn't know. he like just raise bridges or something? Like something happened. I forget what the exact story is. Blocked off a bridge. They blocked off a bridge, and the whole scandal was that, uh, um, like emergency vehicles couldn't get across. That's what kind of got gave it away. Uh, I don't know if there's any money made off of that, but it doesn't matter. He's a piece of shit. Just like all the rest of them, they're all pieces of shit. Yeah, you remember? You remember he was on the stage bragging about how he cut like pensions and stuff like that. Like, good job, <laughs> good job, bud. I don't know what's worse, that or Nikki Haley talking about how good war is <laughs> for half the half the fucking debate. I can't tell, man. As far as Vivek goes, I I can't tell. Like he says the right things and he's kind of fun, but I can't tell if he's just like a Soros-backed grifter at this point because he very well could be. (laughs) (laughs) He might be. I mean, yeah, he definitely could be. Sorry, I hate the whole I hate the whole Soros shit. Like I know that the guy spends all this money and meddling and all these things and propping up AGs and doing all this shit in this weird like the scholarship wasn't even from him. Ideation that he has of how America should be. And it pisses me off that one person has that much power that they can manipulate our government to that point where even his name is mentioned with it being attached to that. But there's just so many negative connotations attached to the idea of even attacking him. It's where it's just like, ugh. just die already. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will take his place. <laughs> uh, you know who likes to talk about Soros? Chris oh, Webby? Alex Jones. Oh. Hey, uh, Soros back to... I can't remember. Can't remember. What the hell did he say? Soros back. What was, what was the word he used? Soros back uh, uh, lizard lizard people. Soros back lizard monsters. Lizard these lizard people that that are evil. They smell like sulfur. Uh, interdimensional child molesters. <laughs> <laughs> They're demons. Uh, we laugh until we find out he's right. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> they have sex with your wives. Turn them gay. I don't know. Mitch McConnell looks like his batteries died now twice. He didn't. <laughs> He didn't use Energizer batteries, that's for sure. George Soros forgot to replace his batteries. <laughs> forgot to turn them off and then turn them on again. Uh, you guys want to talk about uh, uh, somehow liberty equaling racism in public schools these days? What do now? Yeah. You got the video? I do here somewhere. Hang on. I got to remember where. There it is. There's where the fuck I put it. Yeah. All right. Let's share this. Um, Go ahead and share it. Um, it's shared. Yeah. You didn't know what the gas informant is, but it's a historical flag. So there, um, the reason that they do not want the... I guess I should have set this up. So a kid got in school, got in school, got in trouble in school for wearing a Gadsden flag patch on his backpack. And for those who don't know what the Gadsden flag is, flag is it's the yellow flag with the snake that says, don't tread on me. You've probably seen no steppy on snake. You've probably seen him on the back of like rednecks pickup trucks uh, next to a blue lives matter. Clear <laughs> in my room, Which is a, a completely different thing. But this is, this is a flag that basically was used during the uh, revolutionary war. That was a, you know, 
get the fuck get the fuck away from me you dirty brits yeah it's a sign of solidarity what, like hey don't try to yeah don't don't fuck with me it, it is it is literally a symbol of liberty like that is what this flag is a symbol of is liberty so this kid gets in trouble in school because uh according to whoever this woman is and i actually kind of feel bad for her because it actually seems like she's just there basically doing the dirty work of the of the school district and when you have all of these people that come out and talk about how bad the public school system is and how they're indoctrinating your kids i understand that this is just a um an anecdote this is just one thing in one place that happened one time but it's like this means that it's not zero so i'll go ahead and play the video Thank you. Do they know what the Gadsden flag is? That it's a historical flag. Kids all well dressed. He's got his shirt tucked in. It's probably a private school. Black. We do not want to play. Is due to its origins with slavery and slave trade. Slavery and slave trade. That's what was. Ah. That's the reasoning behind them. Yeah. The Gadsden flag. The don't tread on me, which is the what? I can have you speak to Jeff Yoakum again, Um, and then he can refer you to our person at the district. Okay. Um, Because, like I said, we're following district halls is what we're doing. The last thing I want is him out of class. Yeah, I know That's he, he, he takes his classes seriously. Yes. He studies. He does, he wants to get straight A's. He did that. He made honorable when he was here before. Yeah. He intends to do that again right now, but it's hard because he keeps missing class for this. So I understand that. Yeah, and I mean, we teach him to always stick up for your beliefs. And I mean, you're going over the revolution this for seventh grade. I mean, the founding fathers stood up for what they believed in against unjust laws. This is unjust. I, like I said, we are upholding a policy that was provided to us, which we have to uphold. Can you show me where the policy? And then mom asks for the policy, which I'm assuming this woman probably can't provide, but maybe she did. I actually feel bad for the lady that's like talking about this because you could tell she's like, this is fucking stupid. I just want this kid to go back to class. Right. So it's like, so even Wikipedia. Claims the Gadsden flag is a historical American flag with a yellow field depicting a timber rattlesnake coiled and ready to strike. Beneath the rattlesnake are the words, don't tread on me. Some modern versions include the flag with an apostrophe. The flag is named for Christopher Gadsden, a South Carolina delegate to the Continental Congress and Brigadier General of the Continental Army, who designed the flag in 1775 during the American Revolution. He gave the flag to Commodore Essex Hopkins, and it was unfurled on the main mask of the Hobson's flagship USS Alfred on December 20th, 1775. Two days later, Congress made Hopkins commander-in-chief of the Continental Navy. He adopted the Gadsden banner as his personal flag, flying air from the main, sta- main mast of the flagship while he was aboard. The Continental Marines also flew the flag during the early part of the war. It was basically, or the rattlesnake was a symbol of unity in the 13 colonies at the start of the Revolutionary War, and it had a long history as a political symbol in America. Benjamin Franklin used it for his join-or-die woodcut in 1754. The guests had intended his flag as a warning to Britain to not to violate the liberties of its American subjects. The flag has been described as the most popular symbol of the American Revolution. Its design proclaims an assertive warning of vigilance and willingness to act in defense against coercion. This has led to the be associated with the ideas of individualism and liberty. 
So for distress or defiance against authorities and government. So this is, it, it, it just, it just speaks to this, this silliness that like anything that is a, is, is pre civil rights act. Basically pre civil rights or certainly pre civil war is, so everything that America represents pre-civil war is just all based on slavery. It's, it's the 1619 project type nonsense, right? Yeah. Where, where every, where literally everything is based on slavery. Well, Dan, to be fair, someone who flew that flag back in the 1700s might've owned a slave. Might've. Yeah. True. So So it, it does have ties to the slave trade. And they drank the hydrogen monoxide, that dirty chemical. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's just an anecdotal situation. I'm really hoping this isn't a, a massive problem. This got but turned like, how, though, didn't but, it? But, but, but then again, how many sixth graders are walking this are going to school with a Gadsden flag patch on their backpack? I mean, it could be more than I think, but I gotta imagine it's not that many. I'm assuming they have like fucking Pokemon patches or whatever the fuck on their on the most of them on the back of their on their backpacks, <laughs> stuff like that. Liberty Twitter said, "Don't forget the kid who was sent home because his T-shirt said there are only two genders." Yeah. Well, that's and been- he goes, "Is it just anecdotal? We should take attacks on free speech seriously, always." That's a, yes. That's this, the, uh, no. This this situation that we just talked about is anecdotal. It's a one. It's a it's a it's a one. It's one example. Right. But he said we should take attacks on free speech seriously always, and I agree. And you know what? And that does honestly, it goes both ways. I'm I'm here right now defending a kid who has a Gladstone Gadston 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 <laughs> flag on the back of his backpack, and I'm defending it. And he should absolutely have that. And just like a kid should be able to wear a shirt that says there are only two genders. That should also be protected just as vehemently as someone wearing a rainbow flag T-shirt. I was just going to say, speech, like, free speech is free speech is free speech. I was just going to say, if like that kid walked went to school with a with a pride flag on on his backpack, do you think that would have been accepted? Yeah. Or say 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 the same kid walks into, uh, I don't know, uh a school in rural Alabama that's uh, in a super Christian district, still public school, but a super Christian district. And they try to send him home for having a, a pride flag on his backpack. I would defend that just, just, as, as, vehe- much. just as vehemently as I would defend a kid An like individual expressing his first amendment. That's the reason why it's the fucking first amendment should be oh. vehemently defended. Even if you disagree with them, like, Oh, like uh, I, I hate like using the, just like the ACLU defending oh, Nazis, just, Corey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no, no matter what, free speech yeah. is free speech. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hope I hope this isn't that big of an issue. I really do because like this is like the first one that I've I've actually. Well, this seen, one like, got turned. This one got flipped, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah, he's a uh, uh, Bell. Do you have that? Because I think you mentioned that this got flipped. There was an update earlier today. Yeah, it's thin flag thing. I believe the district caved. Uh, I, I believe think Dan said that. Maybe I did. Wow, I he can't even remember that. what the hell I said. Uh, but yeah, I believe the district flipped on this because it got so much attention. So yeah, no, absolutely. In, in that case, um, Liberty Twitcher is right. We, you know, you should take an inventory of this stuff because the, because of the fact that this got such um, 
such play, the district caved on it. Yeah, and that's you know this is uh he's sharing a bunch of different scenarios where this happened in California and stuff like that, like talking about people reading news accounts that trans men and women's sports are biologically different and things like that, and that's in that aspect. So that's oh, that's another example. Yeah, 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 no, I've seen I've seen a ton of like the um uh, like the school boards where people will go in and like, and they're like reading the, the, the supposed and like, look, I haven't been in a fucking uh, school library since I was in school, but like there's, they were supposedly like reading the graphic stuff from the books that are inside the libraries. Have you seen these? There's been a, like a handful of them that have been yeah, out there. And people are being At, told to stop. Yeah. Like you have to stop. And they're basically like, well, you know, if you're, if you're not comfortable with me reading it amongst adults in a school board meeting why the hell is it in my goddamn kids library i've seen that stuff i definitely have seen that stuff yeah <clears throat> and what's the alternative to that burning books well yeah of like, course. like i don't gotta know go to like, the maybe, other maybe you know like maybe like i don't i don't know if i'm necessarily for removing books from a library but i guess there's like i don't know I'm all, right, I'm all right removing books from school libraries that are deemed inappropriate. Should they be taken out of the public library? Of course not. But a school library, like I, th I do think parents should have say in that. Like what books. So what you just said was important. The parents. Yeah. At a bureaucratic school board. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, the, the school board's going to make the decision, but they should make the decision based on the opinions of the parents. Their it's democracy, right? Majority rule. governor came out and defended the kid. The Gadsden flag is a proud symbol of the American Revolution and an iconic warning to Britain or any government not to violate the liberties of Americans. Polis, a Democrat, continued it appears on popular American medallions and challenged coins through today, and Ben Franklin also adopted it to symbolize the union of the 13 colonies. It's a great teaching moment for a history lesson. Yeah, but, that's... isn't. Oh, go ahead, Bell. I'm saying, but... That's not the only patch they were questioning in the school, according to Mike Claudio, assistant superintendent. He said that there was a, in a, his statement, the student returned to class without incident after removing patches of semi-automatic weapons from his backpack that were also with the Gadsden flag. Hmm. That's probably why you didn't see the whole video. Well, here, but here's the thing. Oh, because right? there was also patches of guns. Well, here's yeah. the thing. So here's the thing. Here's why I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna tell yeah, you. Ethan Crumbly fucked that one for him. Well, here's the, here's what I'm gonna tell you. That's different. Uh, if the if the school has a policy where not depicting violence or guns or whatever, like that's not a new thing, dude. Like that was something that was in place when you when you and I were in high school, right? You couldn't depict like alcohol or drugs or violence or whatever on your clothes. Like that's that's not a new thing. So like I, I have a little bit more uh, sympathy for that, but not to mention the fact that in the video, the woman says that the reason he can't have the Gadsden flag patch on his back because it was because it to do with slavery. slavery. Yes. That's the scary part. The right. fact that a woman that works in a public school does not even know like basic revolutionary war history, or if she does and she's really upset that she has to do this in the first place, which it kind of seemed like she did enough people at the district don't understand basic American history to know what that flag. Yeah, I'm just, I'm tired of revisionist history. I'm tired yeah. of people like, like I understand that history is always written by the victors and sure. And it's hard to go through and sift through the rubble to find the history of like the losers of the town who was raised and stuff like that. 
But to just rewrite stuff based on hunches and feelings isn't right. And it's like, did anybody come to the school district and go, I'm really offended by the flag on that guy's backpack? Maybe somebody did. I don't know. I would imagine it was probably an adult and not a and not a fellow student. Yeah. Yeah. How many no, sixth graders? How many sixth graders? Okay, think back to when you were a sixth grader. Did you have any fucking clue what the Gadsden flag was? Yeah, because it was in our history books talking about the Revolutionary War. Right, right, right. But did you, did you <laughs> but did you know it beyond like reading that part of the of the history book and then it completely leaves your lexicon until you become an adult? Yeah, it didn't it didn't have any sort of like like meaning. now. Yeah. Like, like back meaning. then, like don't tread on me. Oh, okay. But yeah. like now it has a significant meaning to me in my personal life and the protection of my life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But Back then, it didn't necessarily, but at least it was taught to me in the right context. Yeah. Sixth graders don't care, though. Like, it's, you know, I couldn't tell you what page of the history book that that flag was on, even when I was in sixth grade, and I just learned about it two days ago. <laughs> just like, kids <laughs> don't care about that kind of shit. This kid does, because, I don't know, he's uh, he's just, he's uh, clearly he's a nerd, and, and I mean that in the best possible way. He's a nerd in the way that you and I are nerds for this stuff, except he's way younger than we are. So, like, yeah, he's he, like, uh, he's probably going places. Like Michael <laughs> from uh, that we had on the show before. If you want to go back and listen, I forget the number of the episode, but we had someone who's in charge of the chapter here, local chapter of the Forward Party. He's young, young old, kid, yeah. eighteen years old, and he's just like he's a nerd for uh, politics, and it's great because when I was from eighteen to like twenty six. I was just chasing tail. Yeah. Getting drunk at the bars. I was barely paying attention. I was excited to vote for Barack Obama because I was like, oh, something about change. I like change. Guy. I like hope. What I've what I've learned since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was me in 2016 when Bernie showed up and I was like, this guy's great. Uh, <laughs> then, oh, young Corey, you had so much to learn. Man. <laughs> I've had uh, like Civil War and Revolutionary War reenactors in my family my whole life. So I got a taste of all that growing up forever. But I never even took it serious back then. But like even a lot of my cousins and stuff, they all know what's up. They're like three, what are they like three percenters? Actually, don't even answer that. I don't want to get the <laughs> no, they're, not, they're not even. They're not even. <laughs> the, I don't want to put that evil on you. you. Good answer, Bell. Well, you can go to like Greenfield Village and watch them do candle making and stuff they're like those type of people but not one of them loves the government glass blowers not one of them we have a friend who's uh so i it's so funny like when it comes to history when it comes to different things like when it comes to the conversation of like reparations and stuff right and like who's supposed to pay for them and this and that and it's like i look look at like my family's lineage like like really like thank god but my family fought for the north in the civil war for michigan and my great great grandpa or whatever he was, he volunteered so other men in the village could stay home because they had kids. And he's like, Well, I don't have kids, I'll go do it. And so, like, that's my family lineage. But I have a friend, and I'm not gonna name him, but Bell will probably know who he is when I mention the name of the house. But in Greenfield Village, there's the common house. And it was a it was a plantation. And I have a friend whose ancestors owned that house. <laughs> 
And they're the like, ones that owe reparations, bitch. <laughs> and it's like, oof. Ooh. And this thing is this thing he says to me, and he just he means it so sincerely, and he goes, Yeah, but you know, when we read about it, it says that they were nice to their slaves. Ah. Uh, so I mean, I guess at least they were nice to their property that they owned. Yeah. That I'm one's so that bad. one's that one's a t- that's a tough disclaimer. <laughs> that, is, that and it's it's one that you hear every once in a while where you're like, mm, mm. that might have been true. Like that might have been true. Right. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but like, uh, I don't think that's quite enough. To- <laughs> I'm so glad my family came here in like 1925. Uh, Everybody's like, my family fought for the North. My got, family was in the South. You got like, tomatoes thrown at them when they came off the boat at Ellis Island. Yeah, they didn't own anybody though <laughs> that's why they came here <laughs> oh that was like yeah and on the other side of my family was irish so they were probably like contractually owned by people i'll say they're so. probably the same don't make that comparison Corey. that's well no it's it was in jest that is actually like a shitty comparison it's a you really need, shitty comparison. you need to check your white privilege <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> sorry <laughs> Speaking of white privilege, how about Trump's mugshot? What no, that's the end of it. That's it. Just beautiful mugshot. Yeah, it's mugshot. in the title. We have to greatest, mention it. Greatest mugshot. I was hoping he'd smile. No, that makes it better, dude. It like so I, I, I can't remember. I wish I could give credit. Um, somebody actually wrote a piece on that. I think over at Racket, maybe. Uh, yes. Here we go. Daniel Medina, uh, wrote. Um, the headline is, am I the only one who thought that he should have smiled in this mugshot? I haven't read the piece. I'm sure it's decent satire, but, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people think that, but what makes more, he likes to be known. He, well, he likes to be known as a fighter. Yeah. And it's, it's either that that picture personifies a fighter. And this is, this is me being, uh, the biggest, you know, cynic about the system that I can possibly be because as much as I hate Donald Trump and think he's unfit to lead, I do think this is, I also think this is a witch hunt because I think both things can be true at the same time. I'm sorry if that makes me a bigot, whatever. Uh, Maybe he actually realizes that as close as he was able to come um, to kind of bucking the system he he might finally be coming to the realization that like if they get me here like this is the end. Well, this is the only one that they're really going to be able to get him on, right? Is the, the Georgia, Georgia case. One. Yeah, the Georgia case is like the serious one. All the other shit, they just and even this one is weird legal like legal theory to where it's like if he truly believes that it was stolen from him, and under oath he like says that and he truly believes it. Like, I don't know. How are you well, going to get him on a Rico case? I it's mean, interesting. The phone, call, the phone call. I mean, this one, like. It's it's really, really interesting because, like, back when the election was taking place, I was with most of, of America where I not I shouldn't say most of America, but like on the on the more leftward side of like, not that I was super supporting Joe Biden or anything like that, but I was more on the side of like. Yeah, the, the election definitely wasn't stolen, right? And I still believe that to this day. I don't think that the election was was outwardly stolen. Do I when believe it came that, to do, do I believe the, there could have been fraud? Yeah, there could have been some fraud, but 
only recently have I really taken a step back and kind of looked at the optics of right. this election. The mechanics of the votes themselves. I still have faith in there's way too many hands in the pot to make any sort sort of actual move to swift votes in a wild swing one way or the other because our the way our government works it's full of whistleblowers and leakers because it's incentivized by money to do the to do that and like for example like the hunter biden laptop thing like how all of that stuff is coming out from people in his own circle people in trump's circle are always leaking things there's always leakers there's always people that are just they love to talk everybody loves to talk and feel like they know something other people don't it's in our human nature Mm -hmm. Where if the actual mechanics of the voting was done as a fraud, that would have came out at this point. But the narrative and the messaging and the chicanery around things of how like the way the laptop thing was pushed off as Russian disinformation when we know now that it 100% wasn't. And then how it was stifled at first and like algorithmically pushed down where people didn't read about it or see it when like our main news source now isn't the Walter Concrete on TV we get it from social media and information being passed and spread and god bless that because that's an important tool that we use um different things like that I'm talking about like I'm talking about the optics of the actual election right so like the 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 media going out and suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story like that's that's the media meddling in elections in the same ways that in the same way that they kind of pretty much always have mm -hmm. is it right no it's completely unethical and it's it sucks and i hate that it happened but i'm talking about like the actual like physical optics of the election right so first of all you have you have you've covid going on which gives the establishment the guys to be like oh the cover to be like oh well you know we have to save lives so all of a sudden, it's just cool for you to mail in all these ballots. But Trump right? the whole time was telling his 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 constituents to not mail in vote. Right. No, I understand that. I get, well, yeah. But and then why is he doing that? Because he's like, well, we can't, we can't, you know, we we have to be above this and and That's not why quote, fucking and, lost the Georgia and not, runoff and not quote unquote cheat, right? Um, but it's like when when you think about Donald Trump's personality and you think about optics like all of these extra mail-in ballots, right? When you think about the optics of, even though this was predicted, you and I predicted it, a lot of other pundits predicted it, of him being so far ahead in certain states because of the way the votes are counted mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden losing at the end, the optics of that to a man like Donald Trump. I genuinely believe he thought he was cheated. Mm -hmm. Do I do I know that he surrounded himself for four years with yes men who said things that he yes. wanted to hear? So yeah, absolutely. I really think that he thought that he was that he was cheated and that the election was stolen. The interesting thing would be, does he still believe that today? I would say because he's such a stubborn asshole that he is, he probably does still believe that it was stolen today. Well, and now it's weird because now at this point he has to. Or he lied. Yeah. Well, does he all. though? No, does he though? Because he really he only needed to believe it at the time. You might not necessarily have to believe it anymore. If he wants his whole legal case to like not fall apart, he kind of has to, doesn't he? Because his whole legal case is based on the premise that he believes it. Yeah, I mean, from an optics perspective, but I don't think... He's dug himself in this bullshit trench, yeah. Because, so, to the listeners, this is why you don't put your... You don't willfully and voluntarily put yourself into an echo chamber or a silo full of yes men if you're of any seat of power 
that only say what you want to hear because time and time again, now Trump is an example. You're seeing people fall. You see governments fall. You see companies fall. You see so many like sports teams, everything. When you surround yourself with sycophants that only say what you want to hear, it's an echo chamber. And no matter how strong and unison your echo chamber sees there's a whole nother fucking world going on out there on the outside looking at y'all like you're in a fucking cult but isn't it interesting that this guy that supposedly committed treason uh you know uh, you know these are like the alleged charges that can't be proven right or so they're not legally charged but like he committed treason he uh incited an insurrection these are all still things that you see from uh, establishment media, but these are not the things he's being charged with. Nope. Like, I think that just tells you everything you need to know that if he's this bad of a guy and he did all of these things, you'd have the ability to charge him with these things, but they need to get him so badly. They need to get him so badly that they will throw whatever they can at the wall. And the problem with that is God damn it. If they can do this shit to Donald Trump, they can do it to you. They can do it to your that's guy. What's that's what's the problem. What happens when the role of, the role is reversed? Yeah. What happens if this was if this is you know Bernie Sanders? You know. You yeah. Know? And and it would have been had Bernie actually had a spine. Uh, it would have been him. Not to you know take a quote directly from Jimmy Dore's playbook, but that's because he says that a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's. It, it, that's that's the issue with this the fact that they just keep going and going and going and going and going and they won't they're not going to stop until they find a way to put him away to keep him out of an election there's there's nothing democratic about that no you're absolutely right and i can already it's, hear the responses well if he's a criminal he shouldn't be allowed to run then prove he's an actual criminal yeah it's innocent until proven guilty not guilty until proven innocent as of right now, Trump is an innocent man. He absolutely is. And it's okay. And it's not like Donald Trump to pay hush money to a stripper. I think this is I think this is something that needs to be made very clear because it seems like too many people don't understand this. It's okay to not like Donald Trump and think he's unfit to lead and hope he never again sees the White House and also believe that this is a witch hunt. Both things can be true at the same time. Absolutely. I think you feel the same way. I think Bell feels the same way. Yep. I won't speak for you guys, but I, I think we've talked about this enough that we're confident enough to think that, that you guys agree on that point. Yeah. I mean, there's so many movies, you know, like all the Batman, the superhero movies, when they talk about like the hero, what is it? The the hero either dies or lives long enough to become the villain mm -hmm. or whatever. And I'm not comparing Trump to Batman. No, it's the other way around. He's the anti-hero who's living long enough to become the hero. <laughs> and in certain yeah, ways, like, yeah. Take it objectively and see how this is happening with him and like the media onslaught and everything that he's seen. And this again, this is coming from someone who does not like Trump. He was a terrible president. I do not like him. He sold out to the elitist. He, you know, he filled his cabinet full of lobbyists and things like that. Like it wasn't good for the working class. He was advocate for work, uh, right to work. You know, like he, he did like try to get rid of like 
environmentalist. The Not even climate change the dead. And now, now he's sitting here talking about if he gets elected, he's going to put a ten percent tariff on everything that's that comes from out of that and every import. That's, that's just more protectionist bullshit. That's yeah, literally that Jones be, Act. That's yeah. That's same that would type be of shit. Catastrophic for the economy. It's yeah, no, he's he's not fit to be a leader. But we're convoluting with being unfit to be a leader with being a criminal. And that's that's a dangerous road because who's next? Well, unfit unfit to be or I'm sorry, conflating unfit to lead with being a criminal in order to keep him from engaging in the democratic fucking process that this country was supposedly founded upon. Right. Because whether it's Trump or whoever on the Republican side who is probably going to win, you know, the candidacy in 2024, what, what's next? Just another four years of the same, like, you know, the proverbial witch hunts or the rock lifting and trying to find every piece of dirty laundry. But instead of it being the Democrats, it's the Republicans. Like, is that what our government has diminished to is just everyone trying to out each other in some Salem witch trial? I think we might i think one of us might have made that prediction i think we did yeah we said i was just going to go back and forth now well i think it's i think bullshit we'll, i don't want this monotony i want to see things like the two things like we talked about what biden did good this year i think I, recently i think what we had mentioned i want to uh, see some progress was that we were just going to see uh, uh doj's just constantly going after each other yeah, I want to see progress. I want to see smaller government. I want to see the fat cut off and it making it a more lean, efficient machine. I want to see more states' rights. And instead of all these things happening, we're just in this stagnant, just shitty, broken record loophole of just everyone just pointing fingers at each other and not looking in the mirror for two seconds. Calling each other names. Yeah, come on. Dig it. Dig it. <laughs> liver, yeah, liver spotted. <laughs> Bigot, racist, uh, socialist, communist. Yep. Fascist. If you're, not, if you're not one of those things, you ain't doing it right. Do we have anything else we want to talk about, Corey? Um, we had one more thing, but we're already in, we're already getting long in the teeth here. We could save that one because that's that that's a topic that will probably merit it on for a little bit. Fly the Gadsden yeah. flag. I do piss off your uh, <laughs> piss off everyone who wants the the ever expanding government. Tell the people where they can find us, Corey. Libservative podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. And we can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at Libservative Pod. And our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today, and if you like what you're hearing, and you took the time to make it this far, then give us a rating, and uh, it helps with the algorithms, gets more people to listen to our show, and if you listen, you obviously realize that we're just trying to be sensible, intellectual idiots. And tell a friend, just share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best way that a podcast uh, expands its reach, and we hope you become a part of our intellectual idiot cult our expanding community and uh for bell the body snatcher he as always has been Corey walsh he's dan griffin this has been libservative but until next time we are out of here we the people cannot turn back